word hardscrabble means hard work and struggle, where livelihood may be obtained only under great hardship and difficulty. Maybe the land is hard to grow on. Maybe there's other challenges in your way. One of the first known uses of the word hardscrabble is in the journals of Lewis and Clark, who obviously didn't take the easy route. There are actually towns named hardscrabble all over the U.S. in Indiana, Delaware, Pennsylvania, Virginia, Ohio. Closer to home for me, though, back in the 1700s, it was the name of right here in what is now the village of Red Hook in the Hudson Valley of New York State, where we live. Hardscrabble is that type of word that somehow fits the family farm life up here. Early risers, vulnerability to the weather. It sounds like people full of grit and determination, with the wind not at their back but in their faces, doesn't it? For some reason, the word hardscrabble also makes me think of my ancestors in Eastern Europe trying to survive, you know, like Tevye and Fiddler on the Roof, trying to marry off five daughters, worried any moment the Cossacks will come in, riding for murder and pillage. But that's probably another episode. But back to the word hardscrabble. Hardship? Difficulty? Clearly, Brian and I have too easy and a comfortable life here to fit that moniker. We live next to farms, not on them. But then there's the challenges in starting someone new somewhere learning to do things you could never do before somewhere, making mistakes and getting back up again. Can't many of us relate to that? It's already getting cold, and now we look to head to winter with, well, a bit of dread. The elements, the lack of light, the isolation. I admit I've been stockpiling food, supplies, and activities. In our driveway, there's another third of cord of wood in a messy pile that was dropped off this week by a local farmer, and I need to stack it all up in the back of the garage. We're going to need all of it. And as you know from previous episodes, no one will stack your wood up for you. The garden, which is usually so lush and friendly, will start to change its look soon. The leaves are all about to turn and then fall, and I'll be able to see through to the main road. It'll be bleak for sure. But I'm also learning to see the beauty even in the bleak. So hardship and difficulty? Well, if learning to see the land beneath you and the world around you is a friend versus foe, if it's better to start to work with it, then hide from it. If it's better to adapting to your world and community rather than waiting for it to come around to you, then sure, just maybe, just maybe, we all can put a little hard scrabble on our resume. I'm Matt Zucker and this is Sidiot, learning to live and love life in the Hudson Valley. This past Saturday, we celebrated 45 years of Hardscrabble Day, which celebrates not just the village of Red Hook, but this area of Northern Duchess. Of course, this year was a little different. Some of it was online with video greetings, including from Sidiot, and tours of local farms. And some of it was in person with the reverse village parade, which I actually did drive around to various stops to see old classic cars and displays around town. It was cool. But why should I tell you all about this? Better you hear directly from Elizabeth Harmon, Executive Director of Historic Red Hook, who also helped organize the day. Historic Red Hook actually has its headquarters right in the Elmendorf Inn, an amazing building preserved right along the Malpany Post Road. We'll talk about Hardscrabble Day, about famous and infamous history in these parts, and later about one of my favorite topics, horse thieves. My first question, though, is about Historic Red Hook and organizations like it. In a historical society, I mean, what it, what is the job of an organization like that, and who does it really engage? 
Uh, that's a good question. So uh, the Historical Society, uh, one of its main roles is to collect the documents and the artifacts of the town's history. Um, so we do have an archive upstairs in the Elmendorf. Um, so that's one of its main roles. And then there's the educational purpose. So sharing the archives um, and also helping people do their own research on their historic homes. Um, and then it also has a really important aspect of being a community space. So in addition to historical programming, we focus on bringing people in to uh, you know, enjoy each other's company. And what do you think motivates folks to want to know about their history and things like that? I mean, we have an old farmhouse and stuff. So I found out, for example, our house was like flipped around which was really weird at some point. I don't know why someone did that. And then the road was named after some folks that used to own the land. But what kind of stuff do people kind of come in for? Yeah, like you, a lot of people have questions about their house. A lot of people live in historic homes. So they'll discover something funky about their house and they'll come and ask a question. Um, oftentimes they'll ask our volunteers or they will ask um, the town historian, Emily Major, who does historic preservation work. Um, so they'll come in with questions about their house. They'll also come in with questions about their families since a lot of people in Red Hook have lived here for hundreds of years. Um, so they'll come asking us what we have in our collections relating to their family. And what do you think about Red Hook itself and stuff? Is it very different from other towns you've either studied or lived in? That's a good question. It is, it's a unique area in that it's a very interesting melting pot of Palatine and German and, or Palatine German culture and Dutch culture, um, the settlers that came here in the 18th century. Um, so there's that unique aspect. And then we've just got a really great record of town history. So um, I, I'm not, I'm not necessarily, we aren't exactly unique in that, but we have just such a great collection of town history. So any crazy stuff that have happened in, in, in Red Hook? I mean, I was rewatching Hamilton and then we looked it up and found out it's possible Aaron Burr ran away here after the shooting and hid for a few days. There are certainly a lot of fun stories that have been told many times uh, here in Red Hook that we are part of our kind of historical memory of the area. So there's the story about Aaron Burr hiding at uh, Maysland, potentially. That's one famous story. Um, there is a famous story about uh, General Israel Putnam from the Revolutionary War staying in uh, the Thomas House, which is an old brick uh, tavern here in Upper Red Hook. Um, so these are sort of things that have been passed down over the years through historic memory. And our job at Historic Red Oak is to reevaluate the source material and figure out the truth in our larger uh, mythology. Any good terrible murders or anything? I mean, I, I always hoped we would have our own legend of Sleepy Hollow. I'm so jealous of that. <laughs> oh, geez. I don't know about murders. Um, there's certainly a lot of horse theft in the early um, 19th century here in our town. Um, we actually have Today, there's still a Society of the, for the Detection and Apprehension of Horse Thieves that is alive and well. They meet once a year uh, to have um, speeches and gather around a meal. Uh, but it does actually come from this early 19th century society that was founded um, to make sure that people who lost their horses or their horses were stolen could have someone to go to to complain to and hopefully fix the problem. Yeah, I heard about this society from Juliet at Equus. Um... Um, store and she actually literally sells the t-shirts so I bought one of them. I love this society. I really want to go to that dinner. 
Yes, me too. I haven't been and I, I would love to go. Um, and it's certainly, you know, horse theft is was a serious problem in the early 19th century. You can imagine just how expensive a horse was and how important it is to your daily life. So having that society to go to was very important to the community. And what about Hardscrabble? I mean, Hardscrabble Day was just this past weekend, and you were a big um, sponsor and kind of facilitator of that event. But where does the word Hardscrabble come from? It's such a cool, gritty name. It is. Yeah, it's uh, so... The word hard scrabble, you know, it means hard work and struggle. So it was used to describe the small intersection where um, of the village of what became the village of Red Hook. So originally, uh, the village of Red Hook was actually where Upper Red Hook is today, until it then was transferred down to where the village of Red Hook is um, today. So the village of Red Hook was initially just this place where uh, small farmers were scraping together an agricultural living, you know, doing the best they can. So that's where you get the idea of a hard scrabble life. Um, and then this term was uh, used in uh, 1975, I believe, to have the first hard scrabble day. Um, now, Hard Scrabble Day in 1975 was actually uh, a recognition of Egbert Benson's 250th birthday. <laughs> so, yes, and you might ask me who is Egbert Benson. Um, <laughs> who is he? Yeah, so he was an influential uh, Red Hook resident in the 18th century, uh, and he was um, the he served as New York's first attorney general, but he also went on to found the New York Historical Society. So he was kind of held up as this uh, Revolutionary War figure in the town of Red Hook for a while. And the earlier, there was an earlier society that was the precursor to historic Red Hook um, named um, the uh, Friends, or sorry, it was the Egbert Benson Historical Society. So um, Egbert Benson's birthday, the 250th birthday was a really big, um, idea in 1975 when the nation was celebrating its bicentennial. So Red Hook was commemora commemorating that by celebrating this first hard scrabble day on his birthday in June. So this year was like the 45th hard scrabble day? Yep, it would be 45 years. So since 1975, the festival has really shifted from this Revolutionary War centennial, bicentennial celebration to a more general agricultural festival that's usually celebrated in the fall. Um, and over the years, we've seen a lot of um, things come and go. So you've seen, um, there's traditionally the parade, uh, there's there at one point they did uh, offered hot air balloons and helicopter rides. Mm. That was in the 90s, the festival kind of reached its peak. Um, and then in the early 2000s, the Hard Scrabble Community Association formed to kind of make sure that this festival continued. Um, and from then they started bringing in these large musical acts um, that would happen in the middle of the village. So tell me about the event this year. It was really different. I went to a couple of different activities. It was very different. So. Um, back in April, we started planning this event, uh, the Hard Scrabble Celebration, since because of COVID, we couldn't uh, actually come together in the village physically. So a couple of different organizations came together to figure out what could we do to have a celebration regardless. Uh, so we had the Hard Scrabble Community Association, the Village of Red Hook, the Red Hook Public Library, and the Red Hook Community Center, we all, and the historic Red Hook, we all came together to brainstorm. And we came up with this two-part idea of the virtual festival and a reverse parade. 
So uh, the virtual festival was an online extravaganza on Facebook, and uh, we ha it happened this past Saturday. Uh, it was a collection of videos, live and pre-recorded, from people across Red Hook, which was really impressive. So, including Cidiot. Sorry. Including Cidiot. Yes, including Cidiot. Yes, to kick off the day, we had a message from our very own Matt Zucker, um, and we also started the day off with messages from our political leaders, as well as uh, messages from the volunteers at Red Hook Responds. Um, so it was a really interesting um, day because normally Hard Scrabble is kind of uh, focused on the village of Red Hook, but because we did this online, we were able to incorporate the entire town of Red Hook, which meant getting videos from the various hamlets. We had videos from Tivoli, we had videos from Upper Red Hook, um, and it meant that you could also have exclusive tours into places you wouldn't normally do. So we had a tour of the Hardy Roots community farm. Uh, there was um, my favorite was a tour of the Pitcher Lane Farmstead. Yes, I like that one. That was great. Yes, yes. It's a gorgeous tour of this uh, farmstead that's been renovated for the past three years. Um, uh, Andrew DuPont of Silverhammer Restoration has been working with the owner, Amy Dubin, to restore this gorgeous farm uh, farmstead. So we got to do a 30-minute tour of the interior uh, and the work they've been doing to preserve it and also modernize it is amazing. Hey, Cityets. I'm so lucky because this episode is sponsored by Prime Print Shop in Poughkeepsie. They can copy, print, and scan nearly anything from house plans, property surveys, and planning board submissions to banners, business cards, yard signs, and more. Visit primeprintshop.com and mention secret code CITYET to get 20% off your first order. Tell me about Historic Red Hook and where, where did it come from? Uh, so Historic Red Hook was founded in 2013 as a merger of the um, Friends of the Elmendorf and the Egbert Benson Historical Society. So it was these two different historical organizations that came together. Uh, and we are uh, located out of the Elmendorf Inn, which is an 18th century inn. Um, and this building was actually saved in the, 19, in the 1970s from demolition. Uh, it was actually going to be pulled down and turned into a Grand Union parking lot, um, <laughs> which would have been devastating. Uh, so in the 1970s, the community of Red Hook really came together to preserve this building. Uh, we actually have a great collection of letters from fourth graders who wrote to the Grand Union uh, telling them not to tear down this iconic building. Uh, so with their help and the help of the community, uh, the friends of the Elmendorf were able to purchase the Elmendorf in the 70s. And since then, the building was renovated, restored back to its uh, late 18th century and 19th century glory. Um, and to Today we have it as um, our primary location. Yeah, I love the building. It's so beautiful. I've gone to events there and I like how it's right on what I guess was the old post road between New York City and Albany. So you could just feel like it was in an important place about 100 or 110 miles north of New York. Exactly, because traditionally, you know, going from New York City to Albany, you would travel in a stagecoach along the post road. It'd take about three days to do this journey. So you'd stop along the way at prominent spots. Most people knew the best places to stop and the Elmendorf Inn would be right along that road. It'd be a perfect place for you to stop uh, for to spend the night. And what should a non-historian know about history? <laughs> what should a non-historian know about history? Well, history is for everyone, I would say. 
Uh, it's not just uh, the purview of old people studying dusty books. There's lots of different ways to get involved. So uh, from, you know, the soup nights we traditionally have at the Elmendorf to um, lectures on more specific uh, elements of history. There really is a broad range for everybody. <laughs> that was funny. I love it. And, and you're also married to a historian. I am. Yes, I'm married to uh, the Dutchess County historian, Will Tatum. So do you guys just have crazy conversations at dinner about different revolutionary battles and who stole the silverware? Oh, yes. We're constantly, uh, you know, that's all we talk about is history. No. <laughs> uh, we do have plenty of great conversations about history, though, uh, especially since we're renovating our own historic house. So we have our, lots of our own questions about um, our hamlet and our house. Thanks, Elizabeth. And thank you all for listening to Cityit. This season has been great so far even with all the challenges we're all having. And did you see City It in the Poughkeepsie Journal after the last episode on, well, Poughkeepsie? That was pretty amazing. I hope we have lots of Southern Duchess listeners now. Okay, now for some time for some shout-outs. First, we now have Italian coffee in Tivoli Village. That's right, Giabata Alimentari, Francesco and Michelle's amazing new restaurant, is serving lattes, espresso, and cappuccinos in the mornings, Tuesday to Sunday, starting at 8.30 a.m., and the latest innovation Brian reports is Giabata's doing breakfast sandwiches, which is, he says are delicious. Giabata's right across from the post office on Broadway and Tivoli, so you can't miss it. And if you're in the area, this is Tivoli's just off Route 9B between Bard College and Germantown. If you're interested in joining Historic Red Hook, it's easy, and you should. Elizabeth would love it. Please go to historicredhook.org join. An extra thanks to our sponsor of today's episode, Prime Print Shop in Poughkeepsie. Remember the great deal on printing for your first order with the code word CITYIT. The last word is for myself. My book is coming out, a memoir about my career so far in marketing. Visit bronzeeksilver.com for info and get on the launch list for October. I'm Matt Zucker. Thanks again for listening. From my favorite place on earth, with apples all around me I cannot eat, but I can admire longingly, this is CITYIT. Come visit. Come visit.